and we are live hello hello and welcome to another episode of quick brew i'm vicky and i'm katie you nearly forgot your name then i know i well i've got it written down so you know <laughs> you wear a badge all the time just in case you forget <laughs> you know you know like one of those ones that ross wears on friends my name yeah. is yeah yeah yeah, I basically just have that stuck on my uh, on my wall, so I remember. Oh, brilliant. Do you remember why we're here? No, I've not had any sleep, so I'm not really. <laughs> oh, new babies. Oh, if you've only just joined us, welcome. Um, we are Quick Brew, and we are the smaller version, the bite-sized version, we're supposed to be bite-sized version of strong tea. Um, but the ethos is still the same. We talk about topics that some people consider taboo, things that we should be talking more about and things that myself and Katie just want to learn more about and kind of get out there. Yeah. 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 I reckon so. Yeah. 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 And this, is a, this is a good example of that, I reckon. Yeah. Okay. So. so should we start then with what we're drinking? Yes, because we have collaborated with our wonderful friends at Bird and Blend Tea Company. Um, and I am drinking salted caramel. Right. Correct oh. me if I say this wrong. Lebkuchen? Lebkuchen? Leibkuchen. Oh, 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 oh Leibkuchen. Leibkuchen, yes. <laughs> yes, it, it smells like um, a Christmas market. It smells delightful. And for those of that don't know what a Leberkuchen is, would you like to elaborate? Yes, it's a uh, German Christmas cake. Is mm. that right? Have you yeah. had one? No, I haven't. Oh, well, is it yummy? you need to get yourself down to the market. It's not the market, the supermarket <laughs> off, of, <laughs> off of the big place with all the food. Um, <laughs> you know the little, um, I think they sell them in the biscuit section rather than the cake section. And they tend to only sell them at Christmas. And they're like tiny little spiced gingerbreads, which have been coated in icing. Oh, lovely. Mm. Yeah. They're normally like little discs, like little sort of semicircle discs. Yeah. Um, But uh, that's the sort of traditional ones. But then like now you can get them in like stars and Christmas shapes and stuff like that. But they are so good. Well, that would count for the uh, kind of ginger taste because it's a Sri Lankan black tea, ginger Apple pieces, cinnamon, rosehip, cardamom, cloves, and orange peel. Nice. Yeah, and it does, it tastes really, really lovely. So, yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, and them. being a fan of Leberkuchen, um, mm. I have uh, tried their tea, and mm. it is very true to taste. And you know Joe, who's coming on in a yes. couple of weeks' time? Yeah. So Joe's mum used to have them in her house, and we never, well, like, I'd never heard of them, and we used to go over there when I was little, and I'd like take handfuls. I mean, how rude is that? <laughs> well, if they're Helping small. <laughs> yes, give me more. Um, and that's where my obsession with them started. So thank you, Jenny. Much appreciated. Oh, brilliant. What are you drinking? Um, well, I know we are sampling the Bird and Blend, the delights of Bird and Blend. And we had lots of lovely winter and autumnal um, flavors from them. But because it's coming up to Christmas and you might want to buy a gift for someone who loves tea, mm -hmm. they have a couple of little gift cubes which come with lots of different selections of um, tea bags and different flavours. And you can get ones from like traditional, if you just like tea, which just comes with Builder's Brew and Earl Grey and things like that. Or you can get one which is called the Calming Selection. 
and it's got the most wonderful teas in. So I'm drinking one today called Dozy Girl. (laughs) It was quite appropriate. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. uh, With a five month old sleep is uh, something of the past, but that's okay because we're still here. We're still alive and kicking. So this Dozy Girl is a soothing sleepy time blend. Maybe I shouldn't be drinking it. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say It'll make me more tired, but it's a soothing sleepy time blend of chamomile, lavender and rose. And it's got chamomile, lemon verbena, hibiscus, rose petals and lavender in. Oh, that sounds really nice. Yeah, it is nice. Um, I must apologise if anyone can hear some buzzing um, because there's a fly in here. And I know it's October and you think, what the hell is a fly doing in here? Um. It's a pterodactyl. It keeps coming to the camera. It's scaring the life out of me. Well, it is. It is Halloween, so maybe it's a. You know, maybe it's not really a fly. Maybe it's something. You know, a bit sinister. Right. Without further ado, talking about flies and sleepiness and all sorts of other rubbish. Let's introduce the topic today. Now, this is uh, an episode which has been a nemesis for us, (laughs) more so for me. Uh, we have actually already recorded this complete episode and uh, in my perfectionist uh, hat on, I decided it wasn't good enough and we should do it again. So here we are for the second time around and um, I feel much more um, calm about it this time. So that's good. <laughs> um, but we're going to be talking about birth control and contraception. Now, it, I'm hoping that this episode, and I don't know about you, Vicky, but I'm hoping that this is the sort of episode that maybe if parents don't quite know how Mm. to talk to their children about contraception or maybe if you're out there and you're looking for a new form of contraception or birth control and you just want some guidance Mm. this is just us talking about the options that are available the pros and cons of some of them um different uh, personal experiences and just trying to get the facts out there um so that's what we're going to be talking about today so vicky do you want to kick us off with what is birth control Yeah, so birth control is also known as contraception, anti-conception and fertility control. Um, And it's a method or device that's used to prevent pregnancy. And birth control has been used since ancient times. um, But the more effective and safer methods of birth control have really only become available in in the 20th century. Um, So we're going to do a little bit of history Um, Just to provide a bit of context of, you know, where birth control has come from, how it's evolved over time. Um, And we'll also go through methods. um, And yeah, we'll talk about our own experiences as well. Yeah. And I think it's also important to point out here that contraception and birth control are separate um, when you talk about STDs. Now, we have got yeah. a quick brew coming up where we are going to talk about sexually transmitted diseases, but it's important to point out that there really is only one form of contraception, mm. which is almost 100% efficient in preventing STDs, and that are, that is condoms. Mm-hmm. However, nothing's 100%, and the only way and most reliable way to avoid STDs is to not have sex. So yeah. there we are. Yeah. <laughs> Should we just close the episode there? <laughs> And um, thank you most very much. Effective birth control, yeah. <laughs> it's also yeah, it's also the most effective form of birth control. So <laughs> anyone says the pull-out method works, no. But I don't speak from personal experience of that either. Poor <laughs> <Or> Freddie. TMI. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
that's what we're all about on this episode. Absolutely. Let's just get it all out there, shall we? Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about types of birth control. So okay. I've got a list here of all the different types of birth control. And then we're going to focus on a couple of different ones, aren't we? So yeah. the following are various different methods. So we have caps or diaphragms, combined pill, condoms, contraceptive implant, contraceptive injection, contraceptive patch, female condoms, IUDs, which are intrauterine. I said it first time that time. Yes. Intrauterine device or coil. We have IUSs, which are interuterine system or hormonal coil. Natural family planning, so which is also fertility awareness. Mm-hmm. A progesterone only pill, vaginal ring. And then there are also two permanent forms of contraception, which are male sterilization, which is also known as vasectomy, and female sterilization, which is not known as getting your tubes tied in the medical community, but that's what most people know it as. Mm-hmm. So tell us what you're going to be talking about, Vicky. I'm going to be talking about the vaginal ring or nice. nuvar ring. So it's a soft, small um, plastic ring that you place inside your vagina for 21 days. Can I just say as well, I'm never going to say vagina so much in this episode. That I, 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 I love that you're so comfortable episode. with it now. I, I'm very, I'm more comfortable with saying it. Because yeah. when we did the cervical screening one, you were not comfortable. <laughs> I, I was not in my happy place, <laughs> which is <laughs> ironic, really, isn't it? Lol. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> back in the room. Um, it's a small, soft plastic ring that you place inside your vagina for 21 days. So the ring steady releases the hormones estrogen and progesterone um, into your bloodstream. <clears throat> and that prevents the release of an egg each month um it also thickens the cervical mus- mucus uh which makes it more difficult for sperm to move through the cervix um and it thins the lining of the womb so basically a fertilized egg isn't going to be able to Im- implant itself or well, that's that's the idea anyway now if used correctly the vaginal ring is more than 99% effective so that's okay. pretty pretty good um one ring provides uh contraception for a month so you don't even have to think about it every day like you would the pill um you can continue to have sex when the ring is in place that's that's the idea um unlike the pill the ring still works if you have a sickness if you've got vomiting or you've got diarrhea it will still work um and it can also ease premenstrual symptoms pms um and the bleeding will be lighter and less painful as well is that so it is. Do you want to hear advantages and disadvantages, though? Because all these I, things are made up of pros and cons, right? I do want to hear it. But first of all, uh, mm-hmm. first of all, before you tell me that, do you put it in yourself? Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you've got to replace it every 21 days. So you, yeah, you do it yourself. Don't like yeah. saying that. Mm. But, I mean, from the ones that I read, and I'll go to my number one choice later, um, I mean, it doesn't interrupt sex. It's it's easy to put in and take out. Apparently, mm. yeah, you you don't look convinced. Well, I just don't think you know. For a lot of people, um, certain uh, certain people don't find certain things like that easy to do. Mm. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Talk about tampons and things, for example. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a big fan. And I don't mm. find them particularly comfortable and I don't mm. like using them. So I don't. But a lot of people don't find them easy 
to use so I'm wondering how easy something like that is to actually put in I'm not sure I I don't know I'm I I remain to be convinced I think no I know what you mean with things like tampons um I think it was a Tampax promo basically saying that a lot of women who think they've put the Tampax in or tampon in right actually haven't they just live with it being uncomfortable and think that's the way it is Mm. when it's not it's supposed to be comfortable it just hasn't been put in correctly so with the vaginal ring how do you know you put it incorrectly because you can't see it because then if it's if it's not incorrectly forget about whether it's comfortable yeah what's to say it's actually going to prevent pregnancy exactly yeah um so I guess that would come under a disadvantage because you may not feel comfortable inserting or removing it from, mm-hmm. your, from your vagina. Um, but you don't have to think about it every day. The ring isn't affected when you're sick, as I said. Um, but the, the other disadvantages um, is that it can cause temporary side effects such as headaches, nausea. Um, as you said before, it doesn't protect against STIs. Um, you do need to remember to change it after 21 days um, to put a new one in. So there is that. But again, I mean, I'd see that more of an advantage that you it is every 21 days. But is it something yeah. I don't know if you've I'm asking questions which you might not know the answer to, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. Um, is it if you don't replace it, is there risk of things like toxic shock and stuff like that? I think it's just because of the amount of hormones that are in it so I guess or the efficiency maybe it could be yeah that's that's the word I'm after I I have yeah the dictionary in my brain has closed for the day (laughs) and the library is now (laughs) the library is closed (laughs) yeah (laughs) because reading is what fundamental right grace reference oh back to our roots (laughs) (laughs) okay so that's the vaginal ring okay and I don't think it comes in a variety of colours before you ask. Uh, well, when you said that originally you insert a small plastic ring, I was thinking about Haribo. Which <laughs> <laughs> I know are not plastic, but I was like, oh, tiny ring. And not covered in sugar either. No, no, don't, uh, please don't put don't um, do Haribo <laughs> in your vagina. No, okay. Anyway, so I'm going to start, um, before this gets way out of hand, <laughs> with the combined pill. Mm-hmm. Um, also sometimes known as the mini pill and the combined pill is normally if you go to the doctors and say you know I want a form of contraception and you're you know in your teenage you know later teenage years or whatever they tend to like direct you to the mini pill first it's normally the first port of call mm-hmm. because it's the one that a lot of women take and it works for a lot of women however some people have to go through several different types of pill to find the one that's right for yeah. them um, when it's taken correctly, it is over 99% effective. So again, much mm-hmm. like the vaginal ring, um, that's good. Um, it means that the fewer than one in a hundred who use the combined pill as contraception will get pregnant in one year. Now, for me, that still sounds like an awful lot if you're using a, a form of contraception that you think. Yeah. But but the one thing, I, I suppose I didn't really think about this until we were trying to get pregnant is that you don't you know it's not possible for you to get pregnant at any time 
Mm, not, yeah, yeah. have yeah. an incredibly small window. So if you're mm. using the pill and it is over 99% effective and you happen to get pregnant, yeah, the window of you using that and for it mm. not to work that one time has got to be so, so low, hasn't it? And unlucky. And so incredibly unlucky, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the standard way to take the pill is take one every day for 21 days and mm-hmm. then you have a break for seven days. And during this week, you bleed like a period. But it's important to point out it's actually not a period because a period is your body's natural way of having a clear out, if you like. And the way that your body is um, built, if you like, is the way that, you know, your cycle will work. Mm. I don't have a particularly um, reliable cycle because I have PCOS. And I know we've talked about, you know, your situation as well. And we've talked about other women that can actually narrow it down to the day and around Mm. about the time every month that they know their period's going to arrive, which I think is incredible. But when you're on the pill, it's a, it's a forced bleed. So you're basically saying, okay, I'm having a break from the pill now please body can you stop what you're doing just clear everything out rather than the body's natural way of doing things and then you start it again after seven days of having a break um you can also get pills where you don't have to take a break and you just take them all the way through but you need to take the pill around about the same time every day in order Mm. not to get pregnant and you could get pregnant if you don't take it around the same time every day but if you miss a pill or are sick, or you have severe diarrhea, because it can clear out your system. So that's also something to consider. Um, The medicines that you can take make the pill less effective. So that's, again, another not so good. Um, But some doctors will prescribe the combined pill um, for helping with hormonal imbalances. Yeah. And I know you've talked about that in the mm. past as well. Mm. Um, things like people who suffer with painful periods um, or bad PMS symptoms. Also, people who suffer with quite bad acne are mm. sometimes put on the pill um, in order to support levelling that out, really. Mm. Um, there is a very low risk, and this is something you'll be told about if you go on the pill, about blood clots. And they only recommended that you take it for a certain amount of time throughout Mm. your life i think it's maximum about 15 years i think yeah it's 15 years um but the risks are incredibly low but the combined pill is not suitable if you are over 35 and smoke or if you have certain medical conditions so we're probably going to go on to stats a bit later but i imagine because how easy that is and i mean with our experience as well with gps handing out contraceptive pills is almost the first port of call it's probably the most popular right yeah I think it's it's one of those things that GPs tend to default to Mm. and I don't know if this is the same for everyone but if you don't go into a GP having done your research they will default probably just to the pill and if the pill Mm. doesn't work for you i.e gives you side effects Mm. that's only then will they look into other options yeah because you know straight off the bat it's like all right one form of contraception boom here you go here's yeah. a pill there's no discussion of anything else and I don't even think at the time there was much discussion about um things like it not preventing STDs and stuff now you know when you have sex education in school mm. they bang on don't they about condoms and you have to yeah. put a condom on a cucumber and or polystyrene penis in fact oh you I had know. a polystyrene penis. Yes, it was very um, high end. 
Uh, did it make no, lots of squeaky sounds as well? <laughs> did it give you an unrealistic expectation? <laughs> no, no, it was it was it was just probably as uncomfortable as putting it on a cucumber or a banana. That other, uh, although I did speak to someone recently who said they had sex education and had wooden penises. I was like, that's very advanced. That's posh. I know. Yeah, that's probably a private posh. private school. I think. I'm just um, imagining the horror of polystyrene penises breaking because. yeah just the horror yeah 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 and and imagine as well if you blew up the condom and sort of rubbed it on the polystyrene because it would be static (laughs) okay we're going way off topic we're way off sorry right okay Um, okay draw the line under the pill it doesn't prevent stis yeah not many people tell you that and i think you kind of have to you kind of have to do your own research if you want something other than the pill. And a lot of women yeah. as well aren't, I think it's a more recent thing where women are more empowered to make their own decisions about their bodies rather than yeah. just doing what they've been told. But a lot of women have, um, not a lot of women have hormonal imbalances, but a lot of women find that their hormones are affected by these things and therefore want to make a different more informed decision and so yeah. some of these things might work better than others for different people yeah I completely agree and I'm coming from to to this particular method from a point of view that there are a lot of women on the pill and it just seems oh yeah you're on the pill oh yeah okay and yes it's easy and yes it gives women that control but it's <laughs> It's also a method that's being pushed, but also messes with a woman's hormonal mm. balances. There are side effects. There are all these things, but it's just a given that that's, that's the go-to. That mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get into that discussion a bit later because mm-hmm. it got quite heated when we did record it before that, <laughs> you know, a lot of these contraceptive methods are predominantly about changing the woman's body. Yes. Yes. And so I think you're absolutely right with that caveat of before you make this decision to go on the pill, because it is easy, because it is just an everyday thing that a lot of women just take it, really think about what is best for you and what is best for your body. Mm. And you might not know until you take the pill. Until you take it, yeah. But I think certainly when I started taking the pill many moons ago, it was there was not really I think I was given a leaflet like a little pamphlet mm. when I started taking the pill and there was no discussion about you know that you might get certain side effects and yeah. you might get this and you might get that there wasn't anything about that and school was very much banging on just about you know use condoms use condoms all the time mm. and it wasn't really there was nothing really discussed about the intricacies of mm. birth control and the impact it has on hormones and what happens if you don't have a body like everyone else's in the sense that I have PCOS? I came off the pill. I'd been on it for so long that I just thought my body was taking a while to get back yeah. to normal after being on the pill for so long when actually it wasn't. And I never heard of PCOS until it came down to it and I got diagnosed by a doctor and I was like, oh my God, well, what the hell's that? that? And it's, yeah. you know, also the, t- you know, the control levels that, you know, they talk about in school about, you know, using condoms and like general sex education, but it doesn't really go into detail. We certainly didn't when I was in school about mm. how condoms are 
you know, down it's down to the man. But mm. the, if the woman wants to make sure that the man is definitely going to have one, she might need to bring a spare just in case yeah. he's not come prepared. Yeah. And, you know, how maybe the woman needs a backup option or mm. how the woman should feel empowered to say, actually, no, I don't want to have sex if you're not going to wear a condom because of STDs and stuff like that. Yeah. And actually getting into that level of education and detail, I think is really important mm. rather than just saying, these are the methods, this is the easiest one, go for it. It's about getting into, I think, the emotional side of it and the hormonal side of it. And as a much bigger topic, I think. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And that's kind of a nice segue to what I'm going to talk about next as well. And I want to kind of intro this method. Are you going to talk about just... the pull out method? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> It definitely would not apply to this one. Okay. Um, so I was talking to a couple of um, men. I will refrain from their names and who they were. And we were talking in the realms about birth control. And I cannot for the life of me remember why we were talking about it. But I was the only female. And I turned around and basically said, you know, why, why don't we just ditch all the, you know, the birth control methods and, policing women's body and why don't we just get male vasectomies and the response I got was whoa 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 that's gone a bit extreme hasn't it and I thought well hang on a minute you know the female pill you know the ring you know the patches all the things like that that's changing our hormonal balances that's putting us at risk of certain cancers deep vein thrombosis that's putting our bodies at risk and actually it's expensive because even after we have children if we do have children some of us go back on birth control again so you've got a monetary cost as well whereas male vasectomies I don't know I don't know it's it's up for discussion for sure Mm. but male vasectomy is male sterilization and it's a surgical procedure to cut or seal the tubes that carry a man's sperm to permanently prevent pregnancy So it's usually carried out under a local anaesthetic. So the person having it is awake, um, but they don't feel any pain. And it takes about 15 minutes, one, five minutes. Is that it? That's it, right? That's it. And there are two types. So there's the conventional vasectomy, and that uses a scalpel. And what they do is they make two small cuts in the skin, either side of the scrotum, to reach the tubes that carry the sperm out out of your testicles. Each tube is cut and a small section is removed. Um, And then the ends of the tubes are then closed. Um, So they either seal them, so they either put a teeny tiny stitch or they use heat to seal them. Um, And the cuts are are stitched and they'll usually dissolve um, and go away of their own within about a week. So there's also uh, a no scalpel vasectomy. Um, So what what happens there is the doctor first numbs the scrotum with local anesthetic. Um, and then they make a tiny puncture hole in the skin of the scrotum to reach the tubes. Um, uh, what that means is that they don't need to actually cut the skin. They just go through this teeny tiny hole. Yeah. <laughs> um, the tubes are then closed in the same way um, as the conventional vasectomy. So they're either tied or or sealed. Um, there's little bleeding, no stitches with that one. Uh, and it's thought to be a lot less painful and less likely to cause um, complications. And so it that... is reversible, isn't it? So 
it can't it, it is reversible it's not easy but in the uk reversals are rarely funded by the nhs so you probably would yeah. have to go private if you did I want that. to yeah. reverse it it's not easy but it it can can be done mm. but it's more than 99% effective it's considered okay. permanent um so you don't need to think about contraception again um, it doesn't affect your sex drive or the ability to enjoy or have sex. You can still have erections and ejaculate. It's just that your semen's not going to be in the sperm. Um, it doesn't affect hormone levels. Um, and it's it's chosen as a simpler and safer option to female sterilization and other contraceptions. Does it have any negative, um, like in terms of, can it affect because i i get the impression um that it it can from a male perspective emasculate a male but i don't know if it carries certain risks i suppose any medical procedure carries certain risks doesn't it yeah for sure so things like collection of blood inside the scrotum hard lumps called sperm granulomas um, and that can cause uh, caused by sperm leaking from the tubes. So that means if it hasn't been sealed off properly. Right. Um, infections, as with any surgical procedure um, or testicle pain. Um, mm. But these, are, I looked at the percentage and they're all quite, you know, they're, they're not common. It's it's things that you would get with any surgical procedure as, as yeah. warnings. Um, but with your emasculating um that kind of a point of view i mean it doesn't affect the sex drive you can still ejaculate you can still enjoy sex you can still have erections so if there is that kind of preconception out there that male vasectomy would stop all that or risk all that it's it's a myth it's that's not mm. the case no i i i guess i just i when i've heard people talk about it and men talk about it talk about the emasculation and not because of any risk of those things not being able to happen just because it makes you less of a man and that's a, a sort of a preconceived idea which I yeah. think is spread throughout you know many of the male population mm. but you know we in this country are don't want to use the term lucky but we have um a woman's rights to choose about what yeah. she does with her body in America they don't have that in certain states anymore and there, I read something recently which said um, there are many old white men in Congress making the decision about women's bodies right yep. across America mm-hmm. when a woman, if she got pregnant, would carry one baby mm-hmm. for what, like one year, if you like, mm-hmm. one baby a year. But a guy could make 10, yeah. 20, 100 women pregnant. That's 100 yeah. babies. So why are we all of a sudden saying women can't choose, but yet mm. men are free to spread yeah. their seeds? And I don't want to I don't want to turn this into a man bash, bashing session. But yeah. it, it, you know, I I think contraception should be a you know, a joint yeah effort. Mm it really isn't down to one or the other. If if you're using condoms, bring them along, you know, yeah. and if the woman's taking the pill and you're in a secure relationship and you've been checked for STIs or whatever, that's fine, but it should be a decision that's made by both people. Yeah. You know, in terms of 
is the woman happy about it? Is she okay with it? If she is, fine. But if she's not, then men, you need to step up and start wearing a condom. You might not like it, yeah. but why should the woman have to adjust yeah. her hormonal balance just because you don't want to wear a condom? And that's kind of, yeah, the, I don't want to male bash, as you as you said. And I think that's kind of why I got a bit, um, what's the word? I don't want to say emotional because it wasn't emotional when I suggested the male vasectomy and it was that automatic response of, oh, well, whoa, you know, that's a bit extreme. Well, it kind of, it kind of isn't. It's exactly as you said with, you know, women being told to change their bodies, whether that's through before pregnancy or during pregnancy or after, you know, as you said with, you know, white men making the decision, whether we, what we do with our bodies, you know, at the beginning of pregnancy. Um, It's, I don't think it's too far-fetched to suggest that as a, you know, a bona fide contraceptive method. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, I think it's what the way you've just described it as well is it's such a quick and straightforward procedure. Yeah. But it's for... I don't I don't know it it seems like it's something so big it's not quick Mm. and straightforward for a guy to go through that and I understand Mm. that I'm not saying that all guys should go out and get vasectomies because you know that's that might be crazy talk but you know it's and because what happens if you think you don't want kids and then you decide you do or yeah you know there's there's that sort of consideration yeah um but for a guy to go and get something like that done I can imagine it's quite a big deal because yeah like you say there might not be the connotations uh you know it might not be factually correct that thing they might think you know well Mm. I might suffer with erectile dysfunction or I might get this or I might get that they might think that and they might not be able to get over that and do you remember when we had the um oh this hasn't been released yet guys so coming very soon we have (laughs) a strong tea um with Dr Ellie who is a sex therapist and she talks about reasons behind certain um issues that men may suffer like premature ejaculate ejaculation and erectile dysfunction are rarely physical problems they are Mm. a lot of them are psychological problems yeah so if you've got that in the back of your mind and then you're going to have a procedure like this done you might actually be sealing your own fate in a way because it might affect yourself mentally to the point where you can't you know so I guess there's a lot to consider there yeah yes it is a great idea but what happens if someone has it done and then they they are in a relationship and they've decided they don't want children and then that relationship breaks up and then Mm. they go with someone else and they think I want to have kids there's a lot to consider yeah I suppose much like when we talked about childless by choice Mm. with Abby you know she'd said very early on I want I want my tubes tied yeah and they told her no because she wasn't old enough to make that decision yeah which I don't think is right but you know she'd made that decision she was very firm on it and there might be some guys out there who were very firm on it and like yeah. you, know, do you know what I'm gonna get this done I don't want kids yeah. fine but I suppose there's a lot of considerations out there yeah yeah I no, completely agree Mm. And I, I would be really interested to know what kind of research is going into this, because there seems to be a lot of evolution in terms of contraceptive methods for women, but li- very little for men. 
So I know there was a while ago there was the male pill that was kind of talked about, but I would love to know if there is more research going out there about um, birth control and contraception from the side of changing men's side. Yeah. Does that make sense? I lost the word. The dictionary shut. The di- yeah, it's not. It's no. Not, um... I haven't even got a thesaurus working. Oh well, there's there's always there's always time. I'm mm. actually only going to do one more type um, because okay. I think we we we're having such an in depth discussion. We're going to run yeah. out of time here, but I'm going to talk about condoms because you know a lot of people know about them, but there are a lot of there are a lot of points to make about condoms, mm-hmm. and there are male and female condoms. And now I'd heard of the female condom, and I didn't I, I hadn't really given any thought or consideration to exactly what it was, mm. but. It's like the male condom only backwards. So it goes. It's it inverted. Goes, yeah. It's inverted rather than outverted. Um, so <laughs> so when you use when condoms are used correctly, male condoms are 98% effective. Which I didn't realize in terms of birth control, 98% mm. effective. So it means two out of hundred people will become pregnant in one year when using male contra- condoms as a form of contraception. Now um it's important to remember as well though that condoms are the only form of protecting against an sti yeah so whilst the it's 98 percent effective which which i should point out is still a massive massive yeah percentage in in terms of effectiveness it does also prevent against stis mm. um and actually you know you were talking about monetary cost you can get condoms are quite expensive but you can actually get free ones from a lot of contraception clinics um also some gp surgeries and sexual health clinics mm. um it's important to make sure that you're not using certain products with condoms because it can make them less effective okay um, certain oil-based products, um, mm-hmm. such as moisturizer, lotion, and Vaseline, can damage the latex. Um, but there are certain condoms that you can get which are safe to use with products like that. Um, you can use water-based lubricant with all condoms. Yeah. Um, it is possible for a condom to slip off during sex, so just mm-hmm. be careful. And also, I would say make sure the um, oh, um, I would make sure the man knows what he's doing yeah so it's essential that the guy really knows what he's doing or mm-hmm. that you're able to help um you should also make sure that condoms are stored in a place where they're not gonna um get too hot or too cold and they're away from sharp edges or rough surfaces that could lead um, to te- any tears or like cuts in them. Because obviously if you have a cut in a very thin piece of material, it's going to make it a lot less effective. Okay. Also, oh, go on. I was going to say a joke. It's not funny. Oh, you can tell me after. Okay. I was going to say, if you're in Alaska in a scissor factory, you're, it's probably not your best form of, uh... I don't know, <laughs> it's not funny. Carry on. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> Um, condoms also have an expiry date and they have an expiry date for a reason so (laughs) don't use them after that expiry date it make them much less effective and um, it can also make the um the latex that the condoms are made of much less effective so they're Mm. much more likely to break if you do have a latex allergy you can also get condoms which are not made from latex um so uh, got here and it's it's in big highlighted letters as well um 
and I don't know why it needs to be said, but condoms must not be used more than once. Oh, yes. God, that makes me feel quite ill. Yeah, I, yeah. Mm. Um, and that goes for okay. uh, male and female condoms. Now, female condoms are not as widely available uh, as male condoms, and they also can be more expensive. They don't tend to be the ones that are handed out for free. So I think there are a lot of pros in terms of condoms, in terms of the effectiveness and the protecting mm. against STIs. Um, you know, they are widely available, whether you want to buy them or get them for free. And don't forget, they're still available in like pub toilets and stuff like that. That's still a thing, not just off of the 90s. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, you tend to not see as many funky ones. Like you remember you used to go into a pub toilet and see like glow in the dark ones oh, or like... Yeah. Well, if you go in boots, you ones. get all sorts, don't you? I mean, Durex is kind of, it's it's like, and we've mentioned library or not, but it's a library of different types of condoms that you can get. And but I, my question, and I might have to look at this live whilst we're on together. Um, can you get environmentally environmentally friendly condoms? Oh, I don't know. Let me check live because yeah. I'd be interested to know. Plus, if they're vegan. <laughs> vegan condoms uh mm. yeah that's an interesting that's an interesting fact I, I suppose obviously with the size of them I don't think they are you know massive in terms of the impact they have on the environment but they might mm. go in the sea and stuff and like you know sea turtles might swallow them and choke and oh this has got very yeah. dark very quickly it's got very dark but you can get eco-friendly condoms can you yeah uh there are eco-friendly options on the market vegan Natural condoms exist, such as Hanks and Glide, uh, which are made from fair trade rubber and are fully biodegradable. See, where you said fair trade rubber, right, I've got in my mind, like, it's not just like this tiny little packet with this normal rollout condom. It's like a full on, (laughs) like rubber penis. (laughs) That's what's in my head now. So thanks for that. Not quite. Um... quite. But yeah, so that's good to know (laughs) that you can be environmental because condoms are made of latex and you know they can be harmful for the environment so and yes. yeah as you said never ever flush them down the loo get rid of them in a safe way yes yes into into a little bag that uh no one's ever gonna look or go near <laughs> shall ah. i tell you my top choice that i've never tried this contraception because i don't think it was around in my day but this is quite interesting go on then so it's the contraceptive patch. Okay. Um, so it's a small sticky patch that releases hormones into your body through the skin to prevent pregnancy. Um, in the UK, the patch's brand name is Evra, E-V-R-A, if anyone wants to look it up. Okay. And it contains the same hormones as the combined pill, so that's the estrogen and progesterone. And it works in exactly the same way by preventing the release of an egg each month. Okay. Um, so exactly the same. It thickens the cervical mucus. It makes it difficult for the sperm to move through the cervix. It thins the womb lining. So the egg is less likely to implant itself. So you you apply the patch and wear it for seven days. And then on day eight, you change the patch to a new one. So you change it like this every week for three weeks. And then you have a patch-free week. Um, and then during your patch-free week, you'll get um, what's called a withdrawal bleed, which is, as you said, just a kind of fake bleed. Um, so the pros with this is when it's used correctly, 
the patch is more than 99% effective at preventing pregnancy. Um, it's really easy to use. You just literally stick the patch on your arm so it doesn't interrupt with sex event or anything like that. You can wear it in the bath. You can wear it in the swimming pool. You can play sports wearing it. Um, unlike the combined pill, you don't have to think about it every day. You've only got to remember to change it once a week. Um, and because the hormones from the patch aren't absorbed by the stomach, it will still work if you're feeling, if you're sick or you've got diarrhea. Um, it can make periods lighter and it can also reduce the risk of ovarian womb and bowel cancer as well. So what are the cons? So the cons. So the patch may raise or can raise your blood pressure. Um, so that means that you could get more headaches, but that comes with anything if you're increasing your hormone levels. Um, it might be visible. Um, I haven't actually seen how big the patch is, but I'm imagining it's something like a nicotine, right. you know, like yeah. the the old nicotine patches you used to get. Yeah. Um, much like with plasters, if you're allergic, it, it could um, cause skin irritation or itching. Um, and you've just got to remember to change it every week. So those those are the cons of the contraceptive patch. It doesn't actually sound like they're real cons, if you know what I mean. Like it sounds yeah. like a very... Like, why aren't more people using that? Is it because it's quite a, a quite a new form of contraception? I don't know. I'm guessing so, because I don't know anyone who has used a contraceptive patch. If anyone has, any listeners who have tried or are on the contraceptive patch, we'd love to hear from you to know what it's like, if, you know, it's a good form of contraception, if it's, you know, not a preferred one, you prefer something else because you tried it mm. and it didn't quite work for you. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear the experiences, but that one was, for me, felt a bit of a game changer. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. Like mm. there's a lot of, it certainly sounds like a lot of benefits and yeah, it'd be interesting to know if the same level of hormones that when you take the pill are being used. So if it's any mm. more sort of hormone friendly, if you like. That'd yeah, be interesting to know. And I think that's the the whole crux of particularly the the female based ones is it is all about hormonal changes. It's all about changing that, as we said before. Um, but would you like to know some facts about birth control? Always, Vicky. Have you got your stat crown on? Oh, I have. And a bit of history. <laughs> okay. So the earliest forms of birth control, as well as abortion, were found in ancient Egypt as far back as 1850 BC. And they basically they found some papyrus scrolls and it contained directions of how to make birth control using honey, acacia leaves and also lint. Um, and what they do is they put that in a, a cervical, form a cervical cap and it would prevent sperm from entering the womb. So as far back as ancient Egypt, they were using, for all intents and purposes, a, a diaphragm. I just, I'm finding it amazed that even thinking about not having a baby was on their minds then, yeah. you know, because surely when, like, I, I suppose not, not as advanced as we are now in the modern day world about, you know, procreation and, you know, yeah. babies, you know, are great if you want babies, mm. but surely way back when it was just a case of you have sex, you have a baby. Yeah. And now it's much more of a choice and, you know, people choose not to go down that route and, you yeah. know, but for them to be thinking about that, I actually think it's incredibly advanced. Yeah. Well, 
Egypt, ancient Egypt kind of was, wasn't it? But well, yeah, I, I mean, I I'm not so, an yeah. Egyptologist or anything like that, but oh, the that fact thing? that... Sorry? Is that a thing? An Egyptologist? Yeah. I don't know. I watched one of Ellie's Gojetta's cartoons and I think there was an Egyptologist on there. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. If it isn't I bet, a thing, I bet, Dougie, I bet Dougie's got his... Uh, Egypt badge. Yeah, hey Dougie. Yeah. <laughs> Egypt badge. Um, so that yeah, all the way back then they were thinking about it. Fast forwarding it to now, the number of teens under 16 who have contacted the sexual health services for contraceptive reasons in England in 2021 was 18,900. Wow. Now I find that comforting in a way that 18,900 teenagers under 16 have been sensible enough to phone up sexual health services for advice about contraception and to um, seek guidance or, you know, reassurances. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's heart, what heartwarming is the wrong thing, but it's, (laughs) it's it's good to know that there is that and whether, you know, whether it's fear-based or not, yeah it's still still getting it done isn't it because my mind automatically went oh my goodness that many kids under 16 are you know asking questions about contraception they shouldn't even be you know thinking about sex but actually if they are isn't it better that they're finding the right things out and doing it sensibly and properly yes yeah no it is it absolutely is and I think it's it's good to focus on that part of it rather than the what you were talking about as well. Like yeah. in terms of the fact that so many are, it's like, yeah, but they are, but it's it's a sensible mm. thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was waffling on because I was trying to find another one of my stats, which was related. Oh, yeah. Um, so um, it's relating to emergency contraception, mm-hmm. but it um, in 2020, 20 to 2021 the stats say that there were 1175 females aged between 13 and 15 that were given emergency contraception by health service at least once during the year representing one per one per 1000 in the population of 13 to 15 year olds yeah provided with emergency contraception so there is still work to be done you're saying Mm. there are all those people that are accessing yeah you know are they accessing it prior to uh you know going about their going about their sexual business and getting the information before they need it or is it that emergency contraception that where they haven't received the sex education and I I wonder at what age they do sex education these days in school I don't know but I I think think I had it about 12 to 13 I think I can't even remember I can't I seriously I just can't remember and that's that's bad, isn't it? That just says how how much it stuck with me. But I think with the stats that you've just relayed as well, I think there needs to be maybe a caveat. I mean, was it all consensual? I don't know. I, I it doesn't it doesn't um talk about that here. Okay. Um, so you know, it's there was a full on um, report that gave the information about consent and things like that so yeah. it's important to remember you know there are obviously Definitely. circumstances where you know the, these things do happen and you know it's yeah. it's not at the fault at the fault of no. 
the person receiving the uh, the contraception. So it's important to point that out. Did you know one in six pregnancies in the UK are unplanned? That kind of doesn't surprise. That's higher than I thought. Yeah, it's higher than I thought. But yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I'm just absorbing that and absorbing you lifting Freddie up and down in his uh, pumpkin costume. Happy Halloween, everyone, by the way. This yes. is, today is my Christmas, so yes, everything is decorated and, yeah, very happy about that. I'm, you're not you're not wearing any sort of Halloween-based? Oh, okay, that's, that's far too a, small. I've got a skull ring, which yes. was gifted to me, which I absolutely love. Um, I've got um, my witch's T-shirt, um, which says we are the granddaughters of the witches you tried to burn and it's by spark company who oh, are just amazing for feminist apparel um so yeah completely anyway we, we digress i know but next halloween i'd like you to wear a full-on pumpkin onesie like freddie sporting oh game on yeah, yeah okay. totally totally talking about emergency alert alert um <laughs> following on from your emergency contraceptives this is quite an interesting stat so since 2004 there's been a notable decrease in the number of emergency contraceptives that have been provided um so this is just in the UK so in 2020 uh, sorry in 2004 174,000 oral emergency contraceptive pills were taken in 2021 only 38,000. Now that's an enormous, enormous decrease. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea why. So what year was that? Since 2000 and... 2004, yeah. there was 174,000 emergency pills taken. And then in 2021, only 38,000. So it'd be interesting to know the breakdown because that's quite a big amount of time, isn't it? You know, and I would be inclined yeah. to say, you know, the more recent ones, if people had got pregnant during maybe lockdown and stuff, because mm. there was a massive baby boom during lockdown, wasn't there? Mm. Um, you know, would it be a case of people thinking they have got a bit more time, they're spending a bit more time together, you know, mm. maybe as a family or as a couple, and they think, actually, you know, baby might be nice. Mm. I don't know, are times changing? Are people's attitudes changing? Or is there better access available mm. to contraception in the first place so that people don't need the emergency contraception? Yeah, I mean, it could, yeah, like you said before, with when you were talking about the pill, the kind of ease of which to get hold of it, is it now because, you know, enough time has elapsed that the, the, the pill has been researched enough, enough women have been on it for a length of time that they know how it works, you know, over a lifetime. So it's more, um, what's the word? So it's more common to just give them out since 2004 and therefore decreasing that requirement to get emergency pills. Mm. I use the pill as just a kind of an example. Or do you think maybe now, you know, people are more, women or men are more empowered now to make their decisions, predominantly women, about about contraception they don't have mm. so much maybe embarrassment about mm. approaching medical professionals um mm. you know it was it used to be easier and yeah. I'm not talking about this from an STI perspective but in the past to just go to the chemist and get a morning after pill rather yeah. than actually 
stand up and say, right, I need to take control of my birth control and make decisions about it. Yeah. Um, you know, it it's it was just easier to go and get the morning after pill. Whereas now maybe women are making those informed decisions, thinking about the home hormonal impacts, thinking about their own bodies, mm-hmm. thinking about planning ahead. Yeah. And maybe there's just less need for it. It's interesting, isn't it? It is. It is interesting. And it's interesting to see how they've changed. Um, I am going to let you have one more statistic and then I think we need to wrap this up. I'm going to give you one. I'm going to give you one. one. I'm going to give you one. Right. Okay. So um, access to modern contraception relies on a multiple of factors such as affordability, availability and information. In 2020, Western and Northern Europe have mostly good access to contraception, whereas the access was more limited in Eastern countries. With scores exceeding 90%, Belgium and France had the highest scores of access to contraception during that year in 2020 Poland on the other hand had the lowest European score of them all where access access to contraception was extremely poor hmm. so it's interesting to know that it's not just um and I don't know if this is something which is discussed by the EU you know mm. or if it's purely down to countries based on affordability and yeah. also don't forget there are some countries more so things like predominantly catholic countries yeah which don't feel that contraception fits yeah. in their line of religious beliefs mm. so there's things to consider there but it's interesting how there's such a varying difference yeah between different countries across across Europe and you know it it would be interesting to know in relation to statistics about adoption and children in care and things like that and in those countries what impact you know and you know I know we talked about it we touched on it briefly earlier but in America about adoption rules Mm. and things like that laws uh, sorry not adoption abortion laws you know our adoption uh, our abortions sorry higher in those European countries. Yeah. And so it'd be really interesting to sort of maybe yeah. look at this further in another episode. <laughs> yeah. It it does kind of branch off into a lot of political discussions as well. Mm-hmm, for um, sure. And I know we've tried to avoid it, but it's very hard not to. It's so hard not to. Um, yeah. And yeah, uh, sorry if that's come across and people have been... Um, offended by our views but kind of that's what this is all about it's to talk about these topics and having that discussion yeah yeah no for sure and I think I don't think um not wanting to take away from the final sip but Mm. I don't think anything that we discuss in these is is meant to offend anyone I think it's all about just discussing the facts the statistics our personal experiences yeah that are out there um and just informing people and learning more that's what it's really about it's not about picking on certain people and saying well what you're doing is wrong because really everyone's just doing what's right for them and if we can bring a little bit more education which might make somebody say oh actually that Mm. sounds like a much better option for me or actually I've been winging it for all this time or I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing Mm. you know every little helps as they say yeah exactly was that the final sip I think that was a good final sip. Yeah. So well, basically... you give us some as well. Give us some as well. Give us some okay. final sip. Oh, the pressure. Um, <laughs> I think, as you said, it's it's all down to personal choice. Um, I was on the pill for a long, 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 long time. 
and came off it and I definitely felt different and I think in hindsight if I'd known how the impact of the pill longer term I possibly would have had different um choices that I would I would have made but you know I I didn't know what the choices were so I think it's very much worth you going out and doing some research don't just use our podcast as a these are the only options we have just chosen four to go into um there are plenty of things out there I mean there's the diaphragm there's there's other things so the IUD there's loads of things that we haven't actually discussed or covered in depth in this episode so go out there do some research there is a plethora of support and information out there for um anyone who would like to have that discussion in confidence uh and with a professional as well so yeah 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 and I think it's important to we'll put these on our website as well Mm -hmm. um but there is um three um websites of support which talk about all the options available which stood out to me um number one being the NHS um obviously um with which contraception method suits me and then there's also planned parenthood and sexwise.org.uk which are both excellent platforms to look at information more on contraception and birth control and like Vicky said finding out and having a discussion about what's right for you do your research before you go and speak to a GP and 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 demand the information you know actually go in there informed and work out what is best for you yeah absolutely great final sip well done yeah thank you thank you um well you, you helped as well it was a team effort yeah I said some words (laughs) yeah it was good they were good words um but thanks everyone for tuning in today if you like what you've um heard we hope you'll tune in for our future episodes and also check out the back catalogue because we have lots of really interesting um episodes available on spotify and all other major uh, podcasting platforms and if you like what you hear and you want to support us uh, we have got a support us page on our website um which you will be able to find on all social media platforms and you can buy us a tea or a coffee or brew tea bags yeah. gin whatever you like yeah. um well we accept all forms of uh um bevy i should say <laughs> <laughs> um but thanks guys for um for tuning in and we hope to see you for the next one very very soon thanks everyone and happy halloween bye